Well, since our last episode, we are well into the month of February and it is already a madhouse. The first week of Black History Month, if you celebrate it, has been off to a really, really, really crazy start. A lot of things have been happening since our last episode and I'm tapping in today just to kind of talk about some of it, share my thoughts, share my opinions, and uh, just to come in and say what's up to the new listeners. Shout out to all the new followers, the new subscribers. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I appreciate it. And so let's get into it. So, you know, like I said, this is Black History Month. Um, if you celebrate Black History Month, me personally, I don't uh, celebrate Black History Month for, uh, you know, I don't I don't think that black history should be. I don't think it should be just limited to one month on a calendar. I think it should be taught throughout the year. I believe that black history is American history. I believe that they are one in the same. Um, I think that, you know, contributions that blacks have made to the history and the fabric of this country should definitely be highlighted and should be celebrated because we've done a lot. We've done a lot for this country. And I think that they should be recognized. But within the window of a 28 day calendar month, uh, I think that that's bogus. Um, even as a you know kid, I always thought, you know, why we got the shortest month of the year, and you know what I mean. And and I understand the the foundations of Black History Month. You know, what started off as you know Black History Week, founded by the great Carter G. Woodson, and the need for it to be extended and recognized as a full month. You know, to celebrate what what we've done in this country, and it should be celebrated. But I think that it should be a year-round thing, and not just you know uh, we make exceptions for the month of February. So, um, you know, there's no Spanish History Month, there's no A Asian History Month, uh, and so you know why why should there be a need to continue the label of Black History Month. And plus on top of that, you have the month of February. So many things happen in February that kind of overshadow Black History Month. I mean, you have events that are regularly scheduled uh, in the month of February. You know, the Super Bowl is always in February. Um, All-Star Weekend for the NBA is in February. You have... You know, the Oscars uh, or the Grammys, one of those award shows, um, which I don't think they're having this year uh, because of COVID. I'm not sure which one it is, but, you know, you had these events, man. It was just like in the past, every weekend was spoken for in February, in February because there was some major televised event that America was watching. And it kind of kind of overshadowed Black History Month. But I digress. I wish that we could, you know, kind of grow out of a mindset of, you know, celebrating this just within the 28 days on a calendar and, you know, extending it to the full 365 day calendar. You know, I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, and I think it would be easy, an easy transition to make, you know, um, 
but anyway, I digress. You know, the month of February started off wild. I mean, you had Whoopi Goldberg. Basically, is she's in uh, sensitivity jail right now as we speak. She made some comments on The View about how um, the Holocaust was not about racism. Uh, she said it's because it was white Germans oppressing white Jews. And I understand the point that she was trying to make. I think she made it in an ignorant way, which is what got her in trouble. Uh, she came across as being insensitive. And then, you know, her subsequently doubling down on what she said. You know, she went on a uh, late night talk show circuit and doubled down on her claim that it wasn't about racism. It was a, an issue of humanity, which... Again, um, I don't think she's totally wrong. Um, I think the manner in which that she said it was insensitive, which is why she's in trouble. Now, you hear, you know, a ABC came out. They suspended her from The View for two weeks. So she's in that sensitivity jail right now uh, to take time for her to reflect. And rumors are starting to come out now that you know, she's very unhappy about having been uh, suspended for two weeks. And, you know, there's talk that she may quit the view behind this because she felt like the show should support her. Uh, and I, you know, again, you know, this is this is, you know, this episode of the podcast will, will likely be more of a uh, a referendum on free speech, the First Amendment, because, you know, do I think that Whoopi should be canceled for what she said? No. I think she should be able to say what she wants. Um, and that is just how free speech works. If you don't like it, then don't watch the show. Um, so you have that starting. The, the, the Whoopi Goldberg uh, drama is happening. CNN's... Um, <laughs> the C the CEO of CNN Jeff Zucker announced abruptly that he was stepping down from the network uh seemingly out of nowhere uh due to uh he he didn't disclose a consensual sexual relationship that he was having with you know a coworker uh who we find out is married he's married she's married but they were messing around in the workplace and uh, he got caught up uh, and it, it turns out that, you know, you had some uh, previous CNN uh, pundits or, you know, anchors or people who were contributors on the on the network. They came out and said that, you know, the relationship between Jeff Zucker and this young lady was basically an open secret at CNN. Like everybody knew it was one of those things that, you know, that they're messing around. Uh, and and so. But but it came to light because of, you know, it's a symptom of the drama, the sickness that runs through CNN. And it, this stemmed from uh, Chris Cuomo being fired. And so this, you know, Chris Cuomo is in court now trying to get the money that he feels CNN owes him from the contract that he signed. He wants that paper. And CNN is not really trying to give it to him. So Chris Cuomo's like, okay, well, y'all not going to pay me then. I'm getting ready to talk. And I'm getting ready to tell all the business that's happening that y'all don't want people to know about. 
And so this is where the information for, you know, Jeff Zucker and his relationship uh, came to light. So <laughs> it just, you know, the, the issues that CNN's problems are vast, you know, so they have the CEO abruptly stepping down. They fired Chris Cuomo uh, back in December, I think it was. And, you know, quiet is kept. Don Lemon is still in legal trouble because, you know, he's got sexual assault allegations against him. You know, apparently it came out at the end of last year that he tried to pay uh, the person who's accusing his accuser. He tried to pay them $500,000 to just go away and be quiet about it. And they didn't take the money. So you could potentially see a, a scenario where Don Lemon gets in big trouble. And on top of all of that, CNN's ratings are in the toilet. They've been in the toilet. They're, 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 they're horrible. They said post-Trump, CNN's ratings are down somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 to 90 percent, which is insane. Uh, that's a crazy number for your ratings to drop that low. And you're supposed to be the most trusted name in news. So there's that. So, you know, we'll see what happens with CNN. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that goes. Uh, then on top of that, all within the same week, you had Brian Flores, you know, file his class action lawsuit against the NFL. He's taking on the NFL um, because, you know, he's trying to highlighting, you know, discriminatory practices in their hiring. And, you know, lack of black coaches, you know, black GMs, you know, there is no black owner in the NFL. And so uh, it's it's bad. Now, this story I'm particularly interested in because I've, I've long recognized that, you know, this discrimination in hiring in the NFL, this has been a big problem for years. This is nothing new. Uh, I'm actually glad that this is coming to the forefront because it's a big problem especially the fact that there isn't a black owner I think that Brian Flores definitely has a case I think that it's you know when you go up against the NFL there's such a juggernaut uh, that you know not many people have taken the NFL down no one has taken them down I mean people have gotten paid you know Colin Kaepernick he got he got paid we still don't know how much he got, but obviously it was enough for him to not want to play football anymore, which is my theory as to why he's not playing. I mean, why would you go back to a full contact sport that could potentially be, you know, injury ridden or, you know, give you brain issues from concussions later on in life when you already have the money? So um, and they can afford to pay because. You know, the valuation of the NFL is just ridiculous. So they can dig into their pockets and give settlements here and there. Uh, I'm interested to see how they handle this Brian Flores situation because the lack of black coaching in the NFL is a glaring problem in the NFL. And it's been that way for years. So I'm keeping an eye on that because I want to see what's going to happen. Uh, hopefully it won't overshadow the Super Bowl coming up, uh, which is... This Sunday, the Rams and the Bengals. So it should be a good game. We finally got two teams that, you know, one team has never been to the Super Bowl, another team that hasn't been in a very long time. 
well, they've been in recent years. So, shout out to Matt Stafford and the Rams. Uh, put on for Detroit, man. I, f- I feel like Matt Stafford, Detroit fans everywhere should be, you know, should be proud that Matt Stafford made it to to the Super Bowl. You know, even though he's not with the Lions anymore. Uh, I know I am. I'm happy for him. I hope he wins the chip. I want to see him win. So, uh, and then on top of that, you know, I mean, like, that's these are three three major things that have happened all in the first week of February. And then you had this whole Joe Rogan thing come out. And uh, this is another one that is very interesting because they... You had, okay, so last year, uh, Joe Rogan did two podcasts, two of several last year, but these two in particular. Uh, He interviewed Dr. Peter McCullough, who is the most credentialed cardiologist in, uh, in America. He's the most published cardiologist, very well known. He interviews uh, Peter, Dr. Peter McCullough. He interviews Dr. Robert Malone, who uh, invented the technology that led to the mRNA vaccine. He's basically the father of the technology that led to the COVID-19 vaccine. And in these two separate interviews, both of these doctors laid bare a wide variety of details and information to show you know why the pharmaceutical company is not being forthright about you know the vaccine the efficacy you know the treatment the alternative treatments that are just as effective that you know are being silenced uh you know the fact that all roads lead to the vaccine and these other you know gene therapies uh, and these other subsequent treatments that are effective against, you know, the vaccine, they're basically being squashed because they want everybody to take the vaccine. You know, they want everybody to use this one particular treatment against COVID. And these two doctors laid out the information as to why they believe the pharmaceutical industry is doing that. Uh, and they were very, I think they were both critical interviews, um, I would definitely suggest you listen to both. These are long-form podcasts, so these these interviews are both well over three hours apiece. Um, if you're going to listen to one or the other, I definitely recommend the Peter McCullough uh, episode um, if you're going to choose. The Robert Malone was fantastic as well, but I say check them both out if you can. And so he did these interviews, and then... In January, a group of physicians and medical health care staff, I think it was supposed to be like 270 of them, they got together and they decided to write an open letter to Spotify asking them to censor Joe Rogan for spreading COVID misinformation. So they deemed the information that Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone provided in those you know, podcasts as misinformation. They're misguiding people. They're misleading people about the COVID-19 vaccine, which is interesting because these are people that would know. Um, And so, you know, that letter came out 
And then you had an interesting turn take place where the letter comes out. Then you had uh, Neil Young, who is, you know, rock star from the 60s. He comes out and says, because of the misinformation that Joe Rogan is spreading on his podcast, I want my music removed from Spotify if Spotify is not going to do something about it. So the vast majority of Joe Rogan's audience was basically like, who's Neil Young? I mean, just just being honest. Uh, then you had Joni Mitchell come out and take take the stand, take a stand with Neil Young, and then you had India Ari come out. India Ari is a neo soul R and B artist who uh, was very popular in the late '90s, early 2000s. She had, you know, some hits on the R and B circuit that were extremely popular. I don't think that she's well as as well known as Neil Young or Joni Mitchell. Uh, I think that you know white people don't know who she are, who she is. Ugh, <laughs> they don't know who she is. Uh, you know Asians don't know who she is. You know by and large, you know she's a she's a artist that the black community knows. Uh, and she came out and said that she wants to have her music removed because she feels like the information that Joe Rogan spreads on COVID-19 is misleading. And if he's going to be allowed to spread this music, I mean, spread this information, then she wants her music pulled off. And so everybody in the black community kind of was just like, OK, whatever, NDRE. But then she had she doubled down on it by getting hold of a, a video clip that was released very conveniently of Joe Rogan. Somebody somebody strung together clips of him over the last twelve years using the N word uh, in conversations on his podcast. And so Joe Rogan had to go on defense. You know, first he did a video apologizing to people about you know you know he said i'm sorry if anybody was offended by the by you know the, the podcast i had with dr mccullough dr malone and you know they said that he apologized which really he didn't he really didn't apologize he just kind of said that what he would do was have more balanced converse, conversations centered around you know COVID, and so what that meant was, you know, he said that, well, maybe after I have a guest like Dr. McCullough or Dr. Malone, I should follow up with a guest that disagrees with them and can bring a different viewpoint, which I think is great. And I think that that will be a good good thing to kind of foster intelligent discourse where you have two opposing viewpoints that don't agree and they come together and, uh, you know, you give people a chance to hear both sides and make their own determination. I don't, however, think that this is going to go the way people think it's going to go. They think that it's going to be what Joe Rogan had on this doctor who is coming on to refute uh, what Dr. Malone said or what Dr. McCullough said. And I think because of who Joe Rogan is and how in well informed he is. This is going to end up like the Sanjay Gupta episode. And if you listen to that episode, which I did in full, 
Sanjay Gupta came on, you know, under the impression that he was going to convince Joe Rogan that the vaccine was good for everybody. And it didn't go well for him. It was actually a disaster for Sanjay Gupta. Um, and it made him look very foolish. And I think we're going to get more of that um, with these opposing opinions. Because, listen, nobody is against anybody getting the vaccine. What people are opposed to is the measures that are being taken to kind of force people to get it. And that's the big problem. You know, where there's so much science and so much data that's coming out now to kind of show that if we had information today, if we had it a year ago, a year and a half ago, the perception of the pandemic would have been completely different. You know, even the CDC is starting to change a lot of things that they said. They're bringing forth a lot of information about, you know, COVID-19, the Alpha variant, the, the Delta variant, the Omicron variant, all these variants. Information is coming out to kind of go against the narrative of, you know, what we've been told and what we've been led to believe about you know, COVID-19. And I think if we had that information at our disposal, the perception of COVID and the pandemic would have been drastically, dramatically different. And uh, people are just tired. I think people are, have had enough of mask mandates and, you know, vaccine passports and, you know, booster shots and, you know, information is coming out now that if you get too many boosters, it'll harm your immune system, you know, overall. Uh, and that's not good because they're saying that, you know, people who get the vaccine and get boosted will need to continue to get boosted because after a while, the vaccine is no longer effective and it needs to, you need, kind of need to get a, a re-up. And I mean, honestly, if people don't, you know, nobody wants to spend the rest of their lives on a rolling six month schedule to get a booster shot so that they can survive COVID-19, especially people that don't have any comorbidities. You know, they're, they're at low risk of hospitalization. They're at low risk of having, you know, a lot of symptoms. People don't want to... No. I'm sorry. So um, so then he, he sent that... He, he did that video. Then Indy Ari comes out. She releases, you know, let me clarify this. You know why this is not it's not just because of the COVID stuff, but here's also the reason why I'm I want my music taken off of Spotify. You know, she she plays this clip of him, you know, Joe Rogan using the N word in, you know, within conversations within his podcast. And then Joe Rogan has to come out and do a second apology video on Instagram where he talks about. You know, hey, I'm sorry. You know, this clip looks bad. I didn't mean it within the context that it was, you know, it's being presented. I did, definitely didn't say it within the context it's being presented. And so there's this, you know, it brings up this this whole conversation about the N-word and usage. And Indy Ari says that, you know, if, if Spotify is going to pay Joe Rogan to be you know, uh, basically the flagship, you know, individual on, on, uh, their brand, but he says stuff like this, then, 
they shouldn't be allowed, you know, his he shouldn't be allowed to say that, you know, so on and so forth. Now, in her defense, I I understand where she's coming from, but at the same time, uh, she knew about all of this before her music was, you know, put on Spotify. This is information that was out there. And then, too, if you listen to, you know, more than half of the music, just go to the hip-hop rap hip hop and rap genre and there's nothing but sexism violence you know the n-word being constantly dropped over and over again where she's okay with it she's okay with it in that regard uh, but you know I just I think that she's trying to get 15 minutes of fame um, she does make a good point about how people get paid in terms of streaming for Spotify and, you know, Spotify, if they want to, if they're able to give Joe Rogan a $100 million contract, they should be able to pay artists more per stream. I happen to agree with that. As somebody who has music on Spotify, she's right. I think the the amount that is paid per stream is ridiculously low. I mean, it's like it doesn't move the needle at all, which is why you need you know, hundreds of thousands of streams to, you know, really make any difference. Uh, and so I agree with her to that extent that there should be more. But I think that that goes for, you know, Apple Music. I think it goes for, you know, Tidal, um, Google Music, Amazon Prime Music. All of them need to pay more. Um, and so maybe this is a good way to get that conversation started to where they start to pay more. So uh, that is... Joe Rogan saga is still ongoing. Spotify has since come out and said that they are standing by Joe Rogan. Um, they have, you know, Joe Rogan went through his catalog and he asked Spotify to take down several podcast episodes that he thought had, you know, information in it or material in it that could be seen as harmful, depending on how you interpret it. And uh, they're adding, you know, basically the COVID-19 stickers that Instagram does. You know, if you post something on Instagram that has anything to do with COVID or the vaccine, they automatically label your post with this COVID-19 um, sticker. Or it's like a, a warning, you know. I heard somebody say that, you know, this stuff will be just like when they started um, putting the explicit lyrics um, sticker on CDs back in the 90s. You know, that happened after the whole Two Live Crew uh, incident where they, they went to uh, they went to court uh, to sue for, you know, the material that they were putting out. And I think that, you know, that's a good assessment, that it's going to end up being just like that. These COVID stickers are here to stay. Um, they're ignored immediately. At least by me, especially if it's like some type of COVID fact checking. It's just like this warning. It's just it's stupid. There, I don't think anybody pays attention to them. There's, there's, we're so used to seeing it now that it's almost invisible. So, um, so that is ongoing. We will see what happens. They are not. They're trying to cancel Joe Rogan, and you know information is coming out that a Democratic super PAC that raises money for the Democratic Party was behind the orchestrated attack on Joe Rogan. 
Um, it was a professional political hit job is the is the 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 verbiage that was used. And it looks that way if you look at the pattern of how information was released and how it came out. So uh, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that one and stay tuned. I don't think that I think one of the reasons, honestly, that Spotify is standing next to Joe Rogan uh, and supporting him in this is because, you know, they would it would cost them a lot. Uh, if they terminated his contract and they want they might as well let him see it through so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, I, I I think that he should just keep continue to do what he's doing I don't think that anybody who if you listen to his podcast at all if you listen to any of his guests I don't think that Joe Rogan is racist um, I don't think that he used the n-word maliciously i think that it's a difference in somebody using the word to describe the word and using it maliciously and to be honest man it takes me back to um years ago years ago uh dave chappelle did a stand-up comedy set on deaf comedy jam and in that set he did a bit about where the word nigger came from how it was you know he basically was doing a uh, a parody of the meeting that was called to figure out a name to call the black people we found in Africa and everybody gave suggestions about what they would you know what black people should be called and somebody finally said why don't we call them niggers and you know in the joke he ended by asking the question who decided the word nigger would make black people mad for the rest of history and it's a profound question if you think about it because here we are you know as black people um, we still we still allow the word to have control over us and I think at this point we're just kind of like conditioned to automatically be triggered I don't I think that the triggering is like a false positive if you will, because, you know, we're just so used to it. We're programmed. And I just, I don't know, man. I, I It's a profound question. I don't know if anybody can answer it. You know, who decided that? Who decided that we should be mad for the rest of history? A hundred years from now, will black people still be triggered by the N-word? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've never been called that. No, a white person has never called me a nigger to my face. I've never had anybody in my family call that. My father, I don't think, has been called that. My grandfather probably was, you know, at some point. My grandmother, you know, they back in the day. But um, I've never had that happen to me. Um, and so I don't know what that feels like to 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 hear that word being used specifically targeted at me and I'm not sure how I would feel I mean to be honest because I'm not easily offended I don't think that I would be triggered in the way that a lot of people are uh, when they hear hear that word that's just me particularly I understand why people feel the way they do if they hear it and that's fine you know to each his own I think that in this country we already have so many problems dealing with emotions and managing emotions that 
you know, we're just kind of taught to kind of just always be on and always be on edge and be ready to be offended by something that somebody said or did, even though it's not really that big of a deal. Um, I think it kind of makes us kind of weak and fragile uh, to be, you know, to, to live that way. And, and that's a hard way to live, to always be on edge. So that's just my two cents uh, on the subject. Uh, so we'll see. We'll keep an eye on. We'll see if is, you know, is Whoopi going to quit the view? Um, where will CNN go from here? And and the whole thing, like, you know, this this being Black History Month, you know, I told a friend of mine, I said, you know, this is actually a good opportunity for blacks to get what they want. You know, the hiring issues in the NFL are an obvious problem. This could be the time for us to get a black owner in the NFL. This could be the time for us to, you know, I could even see a scenario where the next CEO of CNN is somebody black. Uh, I hope it's not a diversity hire because I don't think that those help anybody. I don't think diversity hires are good for anybody. Just ask Kamala Harris. So I just don't think that they work. Diversity hires are just, they don't end well to me. They don't accomplish anything. But, you know, if black people do what we're supposed to and, and we move in the right manner, then we can really make some achievements and seeing more black coaches in the NFL, seeing a black owner, possibly a, a, a black CEO of CNN, somebody that's capable, you know, of turning the network around. I could see a scenario where Byron Allen comes in. I, I mean, I just, who knows? And, and turn it around and make it something where it could be effective and kind of restore the brand that was CNN years ago. I don't see how anybody watches CNN right now. I just don't. I mean... I only know two people that have told me that CNN, they watch CNN exclusively and nothing else. And it shows when you talk to them. Um, my father being one of those people, I think it's hilarious that, you know, he watches CNN the way he does. But that's his right. That's, you know, it's his choice. You know, I'm not going to tell him to not watch it if he wants to. Uh, but I do, you know, give him some facts to go against what CNN says which is not hard to do because I don't think that they make the effort to do any real journalism I think they're more content creators than journalists they just want to make um, a sexy headline that's controversial and sparks conversation with no real depth uh, no objectivity no critical thinking you know involved in it so that's my spiel um I hope that you are having a great day wherever you are. Thank you for tuning in. Shout out to all of the new listeners. And um, we'll be back. Oh, uh, the new uh, the new podcast is coming. Uh, I mentioned before that a podcast, a second podcast was coming with myself and the co-host. That is forthcoming very, very soon. So um, stay tuned for that. Be on the lookout. If you have any comments, you can uh, email me at uncommonsensewithkt at gmail.com. Go on uh, Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and give your comments. Leave a review if you like what you hear. And thanks for, ta thanks for tapping in. Email me. Let me know what you think about Whoopi, what you think about Brian Flores. Do you stand with Joe Rogan? Is he right? 
you know, is is NDRE right? You know, are these artists are they right for pulling their music off? What are your what are your opinions on COVID and misinformation on the vaccine? Shoot me an email, let me know what you thought about the show and give me some feedback. In the meantime, be safe wherever you are. God bless. Well, since our last episode, we are well into the month of February and it is already a madhouse. The first week of Black History Month, if you celebrate it, has been off to a really, really, really crazy start. A lot of things have been happening since our last episode and I'm tapping in today just to kind of talk about some of it, share my thoughts, share my opinions and uh, just to come in and say what's up to the new listeners. Shout out to all the new followers, the new subscribers. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I appreciate it. And so let's get into it. So, you know, like I said, this is Black History Month. Um, if you celebrate Black History Month, me personally, I don't uh, celebrate Black History Month for... Uh, you know, I don't I don't think that black history should be I don't think it should be just limited to one month on a calendar. I think it should be taught throughout the year. I believe that black history is American history. I believe that they are one in the same. Um, I think that, you know, contributions that blacks have made to the history and the fabric of this country should definitely be highlighted and should be celebrated. Because we've done a lot. We've done a lot for this country. And I think that they should be recognized. But within the window of a 28-day calendar month, uh, I think that that's bogus. Um, even as a you know kid, I always thought, you know, why we got the shortest month of the year. And you know what I mean? And, and I understand the, the foundations of Black History Month, you know, which started off as... You know, Black History Week, founded by the great Carter G. Woodson, and the need for it to be extended and recognized as a full month, you know, to celebrate what, what we've done in this country, and it should be celebrated, but I think that it should be a year-round thing, and not just, you know, uh, we make exceptions for the month of February, so, um, you know, there's no Spanish History Month. There's no A Asian History Month. Uh, and so, you know, why why should there be a need to continue the label of Black History Month? And plus, on top of that, you have the month of February. So many things happen in February that kind of overshadow Black History Month. I mean, you have events that are regularly scheduled uh, in the month of February, you know. The Super Bowl is always in February. Um, All-Star Weekend for the NBA is in February. You have, you know, the Oscars uh, or the Grammys, one of those award shows, um, which I don't think they're having this year uh, because of COVID. I'm not sure which one it is, but, you know, you have these events, man. It was just like in the past, every weekend was spoken for in February, in February because there was some major televised event that America was watching. And it kind of kind of overshadowed Black History Month. But I digress. I wish that we could 
you know, kind of grow out of a mindset of, you know, celebrating this just within the 28 days on a calendar and, you know, extending it to the full 365 day calendar. You know, I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, and I think it would be easy, an easy transition to make, you know, um, but anyway, I digress. You know, the month of February started off wild. I mean, you had Whoopi Goldberg basically is she's in uh, sensitivity jail right now. As we speak, she made some comments on the view about how um, the Holocaust was not about racism. Uh, she said it's because it was white Germans oppressing white Jews and I understand the point that she was trying to make. I think she made it in an ignorant way, which is what got her in trouble. Uh, she came across as being insensitive. And then, you know, her subsequently doubling down on what she said. You know, she went on a uh, late night talk show circuit and doubled down on her claim that it wasn't about racism. It was a, an issue of humanity, which, again, um, I don't think she's totally wrong. Um I think the manner in which that she said it was insensitive, which is why she's in trouble. Now, you hear, you know, a ABC came out. They suspended her from The View for two weeks. So she's in that sensitivity jail right now uh, to take time for her to reflect. And rumors are starting to come out now that, you know, she's very unhappy about having been uh, suspended for two weeks and... You know, there's talk that she may quit the view behind this because she felt like the show should support her. Uh, and I, you know, again, you know, this is this is, you know, this episode of the podcast will, will likely be more of a uh, a referendum on free speech, the First Amendment, because, you know, do I think that Whoopi should be canceled for what she said? No, I think she should be able to say what she wants. Um, and that is just how free speech works. If you don't like it, then don't watch the show. Um, so you have that starting. The, the, the Whoopi Goldberg uh, drama is happening. CNN's... Um, <laughs> the, C the CEO of CNN, Jeff Zucker, announced abruptly that he was stepping down from the network uh, seemingly out of nowhere uh, due to uh, he, he didn't disclose a consensual sexual relationship that he was having with, you know, a co-worker uh, who we find out is married. He's married. She's married. But they were messing around in the workplace. And uh, he got caught up. Uh, and it, it turns out that, you know, you had some uh, previous CNN uh, pundits or, you know, anchors or people who were contributors on the on the network. They came out and said that, you know, the relationship between Jeff Zucker and this young lady was basically an open secret at CNN. Like everybody knew it was one of those things that, you know, that they're messing around. Uh, and and so. But but it came to light because of, you know, it's a symptom of the drama, the sickness that runs through CNN. And it, this stemmed from uh, Chris Cuomo being fired. 
And so this, you know, Chris Cuomo is in court now trying to get the money that he feels CNN owes him from the contract that he signed. He wants that paper. And CNN is not really trying to give it to him. So Chris Cuomo's like, okay, well, y'all not going to pay me then. I'm getting ready to talk. And I'm ready to tell all the business that's happening that y'all don't want people to know about. And so this is where the information for, you know, Jeff Zucker and his relationship uh, came to light. So <laughs> it just, you know, the, the issues that CNN's problems are vast, you know, so they have the CEO abruptly stepping down. They fired Chris Cuomo. Uh, back in December, I think it was. And, you know, quiet is kept. Don Lemon is still in legal trouble because, you know, he's got sexual assault allegations against him. You know, apparently it came out at the end of last year that he tried to pay uh, the person who's accusing his accuser. He tried to pay them $500,000 to just go away and be quiet about it. And they didn't take the money. So you could potentially see a, a scenario where Don Lemon gets in big trouble. And on top of all of that, CNN's ratings are in the toilet. They've been in the toilet. They're, 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 they're horrible. They said post-Trump, CNN's ratings are down somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 to 90%, which is insane. Uh, that's a crazy number for your ratings to drop that low. And you're supposed to be the most trusted name in news. So there's that. So, you know, we'll see what happens with CNN. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that goes. Uh, then on top of that, all within the same week, you had Brian Flores, you know, file his class action lawsuit against the NFL. He's taking on the NFL um, because, you know, he's trying to highlighting, you know, discriminatory practices in their hiring. And, you know, lack of black coaches, you know, black GMs, you know, there is no black owner in the NFL. And so uh, it's it's bad. Now, this story I'm particularly interested in because I've, I've long recognized that, you know, this discrimination in hiring in the NFL, this has been a big problem for years. This is nothing new. Uh, I'm actually glad that this is coming to the forefront because it's a big problem especially the fact that there isn't a black owner I think that Brian Flores definitely has a case I think that it's you know when you go up against the NFL there's such a juggernaut uh, that you know not many people have taken the NFL down no one has taken them down I mean people have gotten paid you know Colin Kaepernick he got he got paid we still don't know how much he got, but obviously it was enough for him to not want to play football anymore, which is my theory as to why he's not playing. I mean, why would you go back to a full contact sport that could potentially be, you know, injury ridden or, you know, give you brain issues from concussions later on in life when you already have the money? So um, and they can afford to pay because. You know, the valuation of the NFL is just ridiculous. So they can dig into their pockets and give settlements here and there. Uh, I'm interested to see how they handle this Brian Flores situation because the lack of black coaching in the NFL is a glaring problem. 
in the NFL. And it's been that way for years. So I'm keeping an eye on that because I want to see what's going to happen. Hopefully it won't overshadow the Super Bowl coming up, uh, which is this Sunday. The Rams and the Bengals. So it should be a good game. We finally got two teams that... You know, one team that's never been to the Super Bowl, another team that hasn't been in a very long time. Uh, well, they've been in recent years. So, shout out to Matt Stafford and the Rams. Uh, put on for Detroit, man. I, f- I feel like Matt Stafford, Detroit fans everywhere should be, you know, should be proud that Matt Stafford made it to, to the Super Bowl. You know, even though he's not with the Lions anymore. Uh, I know I am. I'm happy for him. I hope he wins the chip. I want to see him win. So, uh, and then on top of that, you know, I mean, like, that's these are three three major things that have happened all in the first week of February. And then you had this whole Joe Rogan thing come out. And uh, this is another one that is very interesting because they... You had, okay, so last year, uh, Joe Rogan did two podcasts, two of several last year, but these two in particular. Uh, He interviewed Dr. Peter McCullough, who is the most credentialed cardiologist in uh, in America. He's the most published cardiologist, very well known. He interviews uh, Peter, Dr. Peter McCullough. He interviews Dr. Robert Malone, who uh, invented the technology that led to the mRNA vaccine. He's basically the father of the technology that led to the COVID-19 vaccine. And in these two separate interviews, both of these doctors laid bare a wide variety of details and information to show you know, why the pharmaceutical company is not being forthright about, you know, the vaccine, the efficacy, you know, the treatment, the alternative treatments that are just as effective that, you know, are being silenced. Uh, You know, the fact that all roads lead to the vaccine and these other, you know, gene therapies uh, and these other subsequent treatments that are effective against you know, the vaccine, they're basically being squashed because they want everybody to take the vaccine. You know, they want everybody to use this one particular treatment against COVID. And these two doctors laid out the information as to why they believe the pharmaceutical industry is doing that. Uh, And they were very, I think they were both critical interviews. Um, I would definitely suggest you listen to both. These are long form podcasts, so these these interviews are both well over three hours apiece. Um, if you're going to listen to one or the other, I definitely recommend the Peter McCullough uh, episode. Um, if you're going to choose, the Robert Malone one was fantastic as well. But I say check them both out if you can. And so he did these interviews, and then in January, a group of physicians. And medical healthcare staff, I think it was supposed to be like 270 of them, they got together and they decided to write an open letter to Spotify asking them to censor Joe Rogan for spreading COVID misinformation. 
So they deemed the information that Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone provided in those, you know, podcasts as misinformation. They're misguiding people. They're misleading people about the COVID-19 vaccine, which is interesting because these are people that would know. Um, And so, you know, that letter came out and then you had an interesting turn take place where the letter comes out. Then you had uh, Neil Young, who is, you know, rock star from the 60s. He comes out and says, because of the misinformation that Joe Rogan is spreading on his podcast, I want my music removed from Spotify if Spotify is not going to do something about it. So the vast majority of Joe Rogan's audience was basically like, who's Neil Young? I mean, just just being honest. Uh, Then you had Joni Mitchell come out and take take the stand, take a stand with Neil Young. And then you had India Ari come out. India Ari is a neo soul R&B artist who uh, was very popular in the late 90s, early 2000s. She had, you know, some hits on the R&B circuit that were extremely popular. I don't think that she's well as as well known as Neil Young or Joni Mitchell. Uh, I think that, you know, white people don't know who she are, who she is. Ugh. <laughs> they don't know who she is. Uh, you know, Asians don't know who she is. You know, by and large, you know, she's a she's an artist that the black community knows. Uh, and she came out and said that she wants to have her music removed because she feels like the... Information that Joe Rogan spreads on COVID-19 is misleading. And if he's going to be allowed to spread this music, I mean, spread this information, then she wants her music pulled off. And so everybody in the black community kind of was just like, okay, whatever, Indiari. But then she had, she doubled down on it by getting hold of a, a video clip that was released very conveniently. Of Joe Rogan, somebody somebody strung together clips of him over the last twelve years using the N word uh, in conversations on his podcast, and so Joe Rogan had to go on defense. You know, first he did a video apologizing to people about you know you know he said I'm sorry if anybody was offended by the by you know the the podcast I had with Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, and you know, they said that he apologized, which really he didn't. He really didn't apologize. He just kind of said that what he would do was have more balanced converse, conversations centered around, you know, COVID. And so what that meant was, you know, he said that, well, maybe after I have a guest like Dr. McCullough or Dr. Malone, I should follow up with a guest that disagrees with them and can bring a different viewpoint, which I think is great. And I think that that will be a good good thing to kind of foster intelligent discourse where you have two opposing viewpoints that don't agree and they come together and uh, you know you give people a chance to hear both sides and make their own determination I don't however think that this is going to go the way people think it's going to go they think that it's going to be what Joe Rogan had on this doctor who 
is coming on to refute uh, what Dr. Malone said or what Dr. McCullough said. And I think because of who Joe Rogan is and how well informed he is, this is going to end up like the Sanjay Gupta episode. And if you listen to that episode, which I did in full, Sanjay Gupta came on, you know, under the impression that he was going to convince Joe Rogan that the vaccine was good for everybody. And it didn't go well for him. It was actually a disaster for Sanjay Gupta. Um, And it made him look very foolish. And I think we're going to get more of that um, with these opposing opinions, because. Listen, nobody is against anybody getting the vaccine. What people are opposed to is the measures that are being taken to kind of force people to get it. And that's the big problem. You know, where there's so much science and so much data that's coming out now to kind of show that if we had information today, if we had it a year ago, a year and a half ago, the perception of the pandemic would have been completely different. You know, even the CDC is starting to change a lot of things that they said. They're bringing forth a lot of information about, you know, COVID-19, the Alpha variant, the the Delta variant, the Omicron variant, all these variants. Information is coming out to kind of go against the narrative of, you know, what we've been told and what we've been led to believe about, you know, COVID-19. And I think if we had that information at our disposal, the perception of COVID and the pandemic would have been drastically, dramatically different. And uh, people are just tired. I think people are, have had enough of mask mandates and, you know, vaccine passports and, you know, booster shots and, you know, information is coming out now that if you get too many boosters, it'll harm your immune system, you know, overall. Uh, and that's not good because they're saying that, you know, people who get the vaccine and get boosted will need to continue to get boosted because after a while, the vaccine is no longer effective and it needs to, you need, kind of need to get a, a re-up. And I mean, honestly, if people don't, you know, nobody wants to spend the rest of their lives on a rolling six month schedule to get a booster shot so that they can survive COVID-19, especially people that don't have any comorbidities. You know, they're, they're at low risk of hospitalization. They're at low risk of having, you know, a lot of symptoms. People don't want to... No. I'm sorry. So um, so then he, he sent that... He, he did that video. Then Indy Ari comes out. She releases, you know, let me clarify this. You know why this is not it's not just because of the COVID stuff, but here's also the reason why I'm I want my music taken off of Spotify. You know, she she plays this clip of him, you know, Joe Rogan using the N word in, you know, within conversations within his podcast. And then Joe Rogan has to come out and do a second apology video on Instagram where he talks about. You know, hey, I'm sorry. You know, this clip looks bad. I didn't mean it within the context that it was, you know, it's being presented. I definitely didn't say it within the context it's being presented. And so there's this, you know, it brings up this, this whole conversation about the N-word and usage. And 
NDRE says that, you know, if, if Spotify is going to pay Joe Rogan to be, you know, uh, basically the flagship, you know, individual on, on uh, their brand, but he says stuff like this, then they shouldn't be allowed, you know, his he shouldn't be allowed to say that, you know, so on and so forth. Now, in her defense, I I understand where she's coming from, but at the same time, uh, she knew about all of this before her music was, you know, put on Spotify. This is information that was out there. And then, too, if you listen to, you know, more than half of the music, just go to the hip-hop, rap, hip-hop and rap genre, and there's nothing but sexism, violence, you know, the N-word being constantly dropped over and over again, where she's okay with it. She's okay with it in that regard. Uh, but, you know, I just, I think that she's trying to get 15 minutes of fame. Um, she does make a good point about how people get paid in terms of streaming for Spotify. And, you know, Spotify, if they want to, if they're able to give Joe Rogan a $100 million contract, they should be able to pay artists more per stream. I happen to agree with that. As somebody who has music on Spotify, she's right. I think the the amount that is paid per stream is ridiculously low. I mean, it's like it doesn't move the needle at all, which is why you need, you know, hundreds of thousands of streams to, you know, really make any difference. Uh, and so... I agree with her to that extent that there should be more, but I think that that goes for, you know, Apple Music. I think it goes for, you know, Tidal, um, Google Music, Amazon Prime Music. All of them need to pay more. Um, and so maybe this is a good way to get that conversation started to where they start to pay more. So uh, that Joe Rogan saga is still ongoing. Spotify has since come out and said that they are standing by Joe Rogan. Um, they have, you know, Joe Rogan went through his catalog and he asked Spotify to take down several podcast episodes that he thought had, you know, information in it or material in it that could be seen as harmful, depending on how you interpret it. And uh, they're adding, you know, basically the COVID-19 stickers that Instagram does. You know, if you post something on Instagram that has anything to do with COVID or the vaccine, they automatically label your post with this COVID-19 um, sticker or it's like a, a warning. You know, I heard somebody say that, you know, this stuff will be just like when they started um, putting the explicit lyrics um, sticker on CDs back in the 90s. You know, that happened after the whole Two Live Crew um, incident where they, they, went to, uh, they went to court um, to sue for, you know, the material that they were putting out. And I think that, you know, that's a good assessment, that it's going to end up being just like that. These COVID stickers are here to stay. Um, they're ignored immediately. At least by me, especially if it's like some type of COVID fact checking. It's just like this warning. It's just it's stupid. There, I don't think anybody pays attention to them. There's, there's, we're so used to seeing it now that it's almost invisible. So, um, 
so that is ongoing. We will see what happens. They are not. They're trying to cancel Joe Rogan. And, you know, information is coming out that a Democratic super PAC that raises money for the Democratic Party was behind the orchestrated attack on Joe Rogan. Um, it was a professional political hit job is the is the 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 verbiage that was used. And it looks that way if you look at the pattern of how information was released and how it came out. So uh, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that one and stay tuned. I don't think that I think one of the reasons, honestly, that Spotify is standing next to Joe Rogan uh, and supporting him in this is because, you know, they would it would cost them a lot. Uh, if they terminated his contract and they want they might as well let him see it through so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, I, I I think that he should just keep continue to do what he's doing I don't think that anybody who if you listen to his podcast at all if you listen to any of his guests I don't think that Joe Rogan is racist um, I don't think that he used the n-word maliciously i think that it's a difference in somebody using the word to describe the word and using it maliciously and to be honest man it takes me back to um years ago years ago uh dave chappelle did a stand-up comedy set on deaf comedy jam and in that set he did a bit about where the word nigger came from how it was you know he basically was doing a uh, a parody of the meeting that was called to figure out a name to call the black people we found in Africa and everybody gave suggestions about what they would you know what black people should be called and somebody finally said why don't we call them niggers and you know in the joke he ended by asking the question who decided the word nigger would make black people mad for the rest of history and it's a profound question if you think about it because here we are you know as black people um, we still we still allow the word to have control over us and I think at this point we're just kind of like conditioned to automatically be triggered I don't I think that the triggering is like a false positive if you will, because, you know, we're just so used to it. We're programmed. And I just, I don't know, man. I, I It's a profound question. I don't know if anybody can answer it. You know, who decided that? Who decided that we should be mad for the rest of history? A hundred years from now, will black people still be triggered by the N-word? You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I've never been called that. No, a white person has never called me a nigger to my face. I've never had anybody in my family called that. My father, I don't think, has been called that. My grandfather probably was, you know, at some point. My grandmother, you know, they back in the day. But um, I've never had that happen to me. Um, and so I don't know what that feels like to 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 hear that word being used specifically targeted at me and I'm not sure how I would feel I mean to be honest because I'm not easily offended I don't think that I would be triggered in the way that a lot of people are uh, when they hear 
hear that word. That's just me, particularly. I understand why people feel the way they do if they hear it, and that's fine. You know, to each his own. I think that in this country, we already have so many problems dealing with emotions and managing emotions that, you know, we're just kind of taught to kind of just always be on and always be on edge and be ready to be offended by something that somebody said or did, even though it's not really that big of a deal. Um, I think it kind of makes us kind of weak and fragile uh, to be, you know, to, to live that way. And, and that's a hard way to live, to always be on edge. So that's just my two cents uh, on the subject. Uh, so we'll see. We'll keep an eye on. We'll see if is, you know, is Whoopi going to quit the view? Um, where will CNN go from here? And, and the whole thing, like, you know, this, this being Black History Month, you know, I told a friend of mine, I said, you know, this is actually a good opportunity for blacks to get what they want. You know, the hiring issues in the NFL are an obvious problem. This could be the time for us to get a black owner in the NFL. This could be the time for us to, you know, I could even see a scenario where the next CEO of CNN is somebody black. Uh, I hope it's not a diversity hire because I don't think that those help anybody. I don't think diversity hires are good for anybody. Just ask Kamala Harris. So I just don't think that they work. Diversity hires are just, they don't end well to me. They don't accomplish anything. But, you know, if black people do what we're supposed to and, and we move in the right manner, then we can really make some achievements and seeing more black coaches in the NFL, seeing a black owner, possibly a, a, a black CEO of CNN, somebody that's capable, you know, of turning the network around. I could see a scenario where Byron Allen comes in. I, I mean, I just who knows and, and turn it around and make it something where it could be effective and kind of restore the brand that was CNN years ago. I don't see how anybody watches CNN right now. I just don't. I mean. I only know two people that have told me that CNN, they watch CNN exclusively and nothing else. And it shows when you talk to them. Um, my father being one of those people, I think it's hilarious that, you know, he watches CNN the way he does. But that's his right. That's, you know, it's his choice. You know, I'm not going to tell him to not watch it if he wants to. Um, but I do, you know, give him some facts to go against what CNN says which is not hard to do because I don't think that they make the effort to do any real journalism I think they're more content creators than journalists they just want to make um, a sexy headline that's controversial and sparks conversation with no real depth uh, no objectivity no critical thinking you know involved in it so that's my spiel um I hope that you are having a great day wherever you are. Thank you for tuning in. Shout out to all of the new listeners. And um, we'll be back. Oh, uh, the new uh, the new podcast is coming. Uh, I mentioned before that a podcast, a second podcast was coming with myself and a co-host. That is forthcoming very, very soon. So um, stay tuned for that. Be on the lookout. If you have any comments, you can uh, email me at uncommonsensewithkt at gmail.com. 
Go on uh, Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, and give your comments. Leave a review if you like what you hear. And thanks for ta- thanks for tapping in. Email me. Let me know what you think about Whoopi. What you think about Brian Flores? Do you stand with Joe Rogan? Is he right? You know, is is Indie right? You know, are these artists are they right for pulling their music off? What are your What are your opinions on COVID and misinformation on the vaccine? Shoot me an email. Let me know what you thought about the show and give me some feedback. In the meantime, be safe wherever you are. God bless.